So on Wednesday, as we were talking about the month of June, and I had mentioned that the secular world has dedicated June as Pride Month, and I stated at the time that we should not be celebrating a willful turning away from the law of God because in this dedication of Pride Month, we're celebrating not the people only, but the action, the action that is contrary to God's will as stated and contrary to our faith. So something not that we should celebrate. Um, praise be to God, there are a lot of priests I saw online that are supporting this position. And I went on to say that you can't rewrite the natural law. The natural law on our hearts, the marriage is between a man and a woman. You can't rewrite that. And Abraham Lincoln said, no person has the right to do wrong. No person has the right to do wrong. So I stated that the answer to this, what is the answer to this mess? I stated that it is love and truth. And I went through some connections with the Sacred Heart and Divine Mercy, but I wanna go a different route this morning. I wanna focus on the heart, because today we celebrate the Sacred Heart, which is Christ giving his human heart to the church. And then we honor him in his humanity, not just his divinity. And so this is important. So this answer of love with truth starts with love. So let's look at that. If we're talking about love, where does love start? According to the Jews, in the heart. This is where it starts. The heart, and I think I may have mentioned this, is really everything. It is who I am. It is where I live my hopes, my desires. The heart is me. Your heart is you. In a sense, the heart is the person. That's why when we celebrate the sacred heart of Jesus, we're celebrating the person of Jesus. This is why a feast in the church has to be about a person, not an attribute. That's why Jesus is also called the divine mercy, meaning the person of divine mercy. We don't celebrate the divine mercy feast and solemnity as an attribute of God, but as the person. In the same way, Mary, the Immaculate Heart, or the Immaculate Heart of Mary, is Mary herself. The Sacred Heart is Jesus himself. And the Catechism says that the heart, actually it's so important that the Catechism talks about the heart of the person as the place of a covenant. Now, what does that mean? How do we have a covenant in our heart? Because it is where relationships are formed in the human person. You ever hear somebody say, they are in my heart. You are in my heart. And so this is what it is. The catechism says this. The heart is the place where love abides. All right, where our loved ones live Basically, our, who is our true family? That's who's in your heart. Now, it may or may not be biological, but your true family is in your heart. So, the heart of Mary, who tomorrow we celebrate the Immaculate Heart of Mary, right? 
is where all her children find a home. Why? Because she is mother. Now, the heart of Jesus is where all his brethren find a home. Why? Because he is our brother and our savior. So here's my connection. Jesus says in John 14, whoever loves me will keep my word and my father will love him and we will come to him and make our dwelling within him. What's Jesus talking about? The heart. This is, I mean, the heart is basically your home for God. It's your tabernacle. It's your Ark of the Covenant. But why would God want to come into our hearts? He's going to find a lot of junk in there. That's why we need to clean it. Simply, that's where God belongs. All right, as St. John says, God is love, right? This is 1 John 4. So if God is love, and he who abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him, 1 John 4, so God abides in the heart that keeps God's word. John 14, as I just said. That is basically the heart that obeys God. That's where you will find God. It's interesting because it also talks about the law. The heart that keeps God's law. What law? No, not the law of the Old Testament of Leviticus of not eating shellfish. You heard me talk about that. But the law of love. Yesterday, if you watch those YouTube comments, you can see that there is a person on there that wrote about 12 texts just crushing us, crushing me personally. It's on there, you can see it. Uh, calling us liars because it is not about works. I, Father Chris said it was, and that's Catholic Church teaching. We're not talking about works of the law. We're talking about works of love. You want to be saved, you need God's grace. That's true, that's where it starts. We agree with our non-Catholic brethren on that. But if that was all you needed, everybody in the world would be saved, if that's heresy. Because everybody in the world is given enough grace to be saved. You gotta cooperate with that grace. And to cooperate with that grace <clears throat> is through your works of love, actions of love, mercy. Now here's where I wanna tie it all together. The law of love, which we Catholics talk about, is what God is talking about. So Jesus said, if you follow that, the Trinity will come to dwell in your heart. Now, what is the classical term used for God dwelling in your heart? Sanctifying grace. You ever hear, I'm striving to stay in a state of grace. If you sin mortally, you're out of a state of grace. You need to go to confession to return to the state of grace. This is 2,000 years of church teaching. Not me making it up. And so what happens is the heart then is important because 
That is the only way to heaven. Why? Because that's where God either is or isn't. God either is or isn't in your heart. Our hearts become heaven because that's where God is. And this is fascinating because why did Jesus say when he was asked, where's the kingdom of God? He said, the kingdom of God is at hand. What does he mean by that? It's here on earth now as much it is in, as it is in your heart. So if it's not in your heart, the kingdom of God is not present around you. If he's in your heart, the kingdom of God is present around you and all those around you. This is so important. When we are in a state of grace, our hearts are like the Holy of Holies, where I talked about a couple Saturdays ago, where God resided in the Ark of the Covenant, a place where God is. This is the reason we were created to live with God. And where do you live with God? In the heart. Okay. So this is why it all ties to this feast. We cannot assume as incredible as the tabernacle is. That's the throne of God too. But we can't assume that the Lord in the Eucharist sitting in the tabernacle will always be safe. There will be terrorism, burned down churches, theft, satanic cults that will take the Eucharist for black magic, black masses. We can't always assume that the Eucharist will always be safe in the tabernacle. He could be violated, defamed. The only safe place where the Lord cannot have that happen is your heart. It's the only place. The hearts of the faithful, he cannot be removed from there. This is important because when we become holy, God dwells in us, right? Now and forever, and nothing can take him away. We are called Christians, not merely because we are good people. Oh, well, Father, he's living a decrepit lifestyle. He's cohabitating. He doesn't go to church. He doesn't believe in the Bible, but he's a good person. You're a good person on the natural level. But the natural level isn't going to get you to heaven. Only the supernatural will. This is a very, very big misconception. We are called Christians not merely to be good people, to be saints. This is the basis of our faith, to become holy as God is holy. You know, you've heard the passage, be holy as God is holy, be perfect as God is perfect. And you normally dis dismiss it. I know I did, because you say, well, gee, I could never be perfect like God, so this Bible passage doesn't apply to me. What does it mean when the Bible says you must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect? Everybody tells me, well, Father, I'm not perfect. Yeah, I'm not perfect either. Well, then how does the Bible tell us to be perfect? All right, we are to be perfect as God is perfect, meaning in the way he loves. We are to love in the way he loves. We can love perfectly. Despite our brokenness, we can love perfectly. We have faults, yeah. But we can be perfect in love so that we are perfect as the persons of the Trinity are perfect. Pretty amazing. How does this happen? 
Father, I don't know how I can do that. The heart. The heart. That is why we have the devotions of the sacred heart of Jesus and the immaculate heart of Mary. Lord, make my heart like unto thy heart, thine. This is who we are, should strive to be. Our task in the sacred heart devotion is to return love for love, to love our Lord back for the love that he has given to us. To finish, the Catechism 478 says, the sacred heart of Jesus, although pierced by our sins, right? Pierced by our sins for our salvation is the sign and symbol of the love which Jesus continually loves the Father and all of humanity without exception. So what happened? Jesus appeared to St. Margaret Mary Alacoque in 1673. Used to be the year we celebrated as Marians our founding. And what happened? Jesus unveiled his burning love for souls. That's why you see the heart in flames. It's his burning love for souls. And through St. Margaret Mary, he asked for the establishment of an annual feast. We are celebrating that right now. Jesus asked St. Margaret Mary for an annual feast for this purpose. And he was so, it was, it was one of the few times our Lord has come to demand a feast. It's that important. What was the other time? St. Faustina and the Feast of Divine Mercy. All right, so he came to establish this liturgical feast of the Sacred Heart, but he also gave us devotion practices, just like St. Faustina. In addition to asking for the feast, he gave us the image, the chaplet, right? The Hour of Mercy, the Novena. And in the same way, when he appeared to St. Margaret Mary and asked her for a feast, in the very same way, he gave her devotional practices. What were they? The holy hour. Whoa! Do you realize that that's where the holy hour began? Well, now, yeah, Father, it could have, I think it was in the garden when Jesus told the apostles to stay with them. Couldn't you stay with me even for an hour? Yeah, but you know what? They didn't. <laughs> so that wasn't the first holy hour. They botched it. They were invited for the first holy hour. They missed it. So our Lord raises up St. Margaret Mary and says, on that Thursday night, last night, between 11 o'clock p.m. and midnight, make a holy hour. Keep me company. This began the tradition of the holy hour, one of the devotions that came out of the Feast of the Sacred Heart. Just like the image, the novena, the chapel, and the hour came out of the Divine Mercy, this comes out of the Sacred Heart liturgical feast that Jesus asked for, as long as well as First Fridays. Nine consecutive months receiving Holy Communion. Also, guess what else came out of it? Out of the Divine Mercy Feast, we said we had the image. Guess what came out of the Sacred Heart Feast? Veneration of the image of the Sacred Heart. You've all seen it. The famous picture with Jesus, with the heart in his chest, with a thorn, crown of thorns, and the flame coming from it. This is powerful. By these means, our Lord intended to rekindle the fire of love in the hearts of the faithful that had been dying due to Jansenism, skepticism, and impurity and lack of devotions that was experiencing in the world. So Jesus desired this feast 
to be a special act of reparation, a special return for the love offering of his love, return love for love, a special return of offering of love to him to make up for the denial and betrayal that we have given for his love caused by our sins. You know, St. Margaret Mary, I want to finish with this. You listen to this couple sentences and you don't tell me this doesn't sound just like St. Faustina. This is what St. Margaret Mary said in number 367 of her writings. When I read this, I had to do a double take because I was like, no, 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 this is St. Faustina. St. Margaret Mary said, my heart overflows, my heart, this is Jesus' heart, sacred heart, my heart overflows with great mercy. That's the rays of blood and water. My heart overflows with great mercy for poor sinners. It is for them that the blood and water flowed from my heart. Are you kidding me? This is Faustina. No, it's Margaret Mary. No, it's the one-hearted Jesus. It is for them, sinners, that blood and water flowed from my heart as from a fount overflowing with mercy. I desire to bestow my graces upon souls that do not want to accept them. You at least come to me as often as possible and take those graces they don't want to accept. And in this way, you will console my heart. Wow. They're not two separate devotions. God bless the Jesuits. But my very first year up here in Stockbridge, 11 years ago, I was talking to a Jesuit priest that just lambasted us Marians because he said it's only about the sacred heart. Why are you all wrapped up in divine mercy? All you need is the sacred heart. No, the divine mercy completes and fulfills the sacred heart. Why? The sacred heart is the source, but what comes from that sacred heart is mercy. Mercy is taking that love of God and the sacred heart and putting it into action. So the sacred heart of Jesus is all love, but the form that love takes when it reaches out to human beings is mercy. It's all connected. Why? Because mercy is compassionate love. Mercy is putting love into action for the relief of someone's misery. And God, when it is divine mercy, so in other words, what I just read you is mercy. So Father, what is divine mercy? It's when that mercy pertains to God. So when God saw our suffering after the fall, he did something about it. What did he do? He sent the promise of a savior and the gift of a mother, Jesus and Mary, who are the Marians of the Immaculate Conception. And why are you Marian helpers? Because we are the only community that I'm aware of in the world that is 100% devoted and dedicated to those two spiritual weapons, the weapons of our times, Jesus and the Immaculate Heart of Mary. We are Marians of the Immaculate Conception. And why does that have to do with divine mercy? Because God's greatest act of mercy ever bestowed upon a creature is the Immaculate Conception. Father Seraphim used to say the reason that God gave divine mercy to the Marians of the Immaculate Conception is he wanted it under the mantle of Mary's Immaculate Heart and her Immaculate Conception. You as a Marian helper fit into that plan. That's why we're here. Praise be to God for this celebration of his most sacred heart and the love that flows from it, divine mercy.
Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you. Please follow or subscribe to this podcast to receive the latest episodes and updates. If you have been blessed by this podcast, I invite you to leave a review. Reviews greatly improve our podcast ranking and will help spread this podcast to other people throughout the world. Are you enjoying this podcast? I invite you to listen to more shows brought to you by the Marian Fathers of the Immaculate Conception. Join us daily for enriching spiritual content which will help you on your journey with Jesus Christ. Simply visit divinemercyplus.org for a complete list of our shows. That's divinemercyplus.org. Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you.